Praise God. Turning your Bibles again today to 1 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I am um, just conversing, waiting on God, fellowshipping with God. and Thought I might go a particular direction today, continuing on the mind. And um, the Lord seemed to just really impress upon me a specific uh, issue to address. And I'm so grateful again, you know, he's had us addressing things that affect that, that would uh, cost us a sound mind. Uh, let me back up a minute. If you've been visiting or, or you're visiting today, not been with us, we've been on a, I think this is the seventh teaching uh, in, the, in a row now that we've been talking about uh, having a sound mind. And uh, so uh, that's, that's the subject that we've been on. And uh, all of those messages are on our podcast, our Facebook, a lot of different ways you could get that for free and be ministered to. They'll help you. They'll change your life. If you get a hold of them. And uh, but we've dealt with depression. We've dealt with uh, how to deal with anxiety, touched on it at least a little bit. And uh, thank God, you know, as part of our redemption, we're free from bad things spiritually. We're free from bad things physically. But thank God, redemption touches the soul. Redemption touches the soul. And uh, our shepherd wants to restore our soul. Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He what? He restores my soul. Your soul, of course, is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it, it needs to be important to you that you're working on your soul. Don't care how young you are. Don't care how seasoned you are. You're, you're not, we've not arrived yet at Christ-like perfection. And the saving of the soul uh, is an ongoing daily thing. Uh, James called it the saving of the soul. Paul called it the renewing of the mind. It's really the same thing. Amen. And um, you want your soul to be restored. You want your soul, I'm going to say this word, healthy. You want your mind, will, and emotions to be healthy. Because for one, one of the reasons is, is that if your soul is not healthy, your body won't be either. And medical science is beginning to really get, make gains and figure this out. That uh, it's not just about, uh, you know, um, free radicals floating around. It's not just physical environment that affects the physical body, that, that would make the body subject to disease. There are soul sicknesses like anger, right? Yeah. Anxiety, depression, uh, bitterness, all, all kinds of different soul conditions that show up and really uh, open the door to, to be the, the root cause of physical conditions. Amen. And how many of you know, almost, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Uh, bitterness is not going to show up on an ultrasound. Right? The doctor's going to deal with the physical, the physical only. Amen. So, so unforgiveness is not going to show up on an MRI. Your doctor's not going to go, okay, yeah, I took your blood and uh, your hemoglobin's really good. Your white blood cell count's normal, but there was a trace of uh, disobedience to God in there. That we really need to deal with. You know, that, <laughs> these are things that are not going to show up, but they matter. They matter big time. 
We're a three-part being, but every part of our being are, are intricately, intimately connected together. Amen? And what's going on you, with you spiritually is going to affect you solically, and what's going on with you spiritually and solically is going to affect you physically. Right. And so redemption touches the whole man. Aren't you glad? Redemption touches the whole man. We're not going to go there for the sake of time, but 3 John verse 2 is one of my favorite scriptures. And there it says, Beloved, I pray above all things, above all things that you prosper, amen, and that you be in health as your soul prospers. That little word as is a big word. In the Greek, it means according to or to the degree and so right there, we have this wonderful hint, revelation in scripture that I'm going to prosper in my life and I'm going to have health in my body to the degree that my soul prospers. Amen. Amen. And so thank God uh, that uh, we can have a prosperous soul. Amen. All right. Now, some of my best ameners are in Gatlinburg. So you're going to have to fill the gap now. Come on. All right. You're going to have to repair the breach here for me. Become a good responder, at least for a Sunday. Hallelujah. Look at First uh, John, verse, or not First John, Second Timothy chapter 1. We'll read verse 6 and 7. Paul says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In other words, our lives should not be marked or dominated to any degree by any form of fear. No fear, no fear, no anxiety, no depression, no worry, none of that. No phobias. You should have zero phobias, zero phobias. I read a list of phobias. I didn't even read them. I scanned it. It was like three pages long. I'm like, I'm not going to read all that. They got all these fancy names. All I know is I should have no fear in my life. None. Because fear didn't come from God. I want only what comes from God. If it didn't come from God, then it came from the devil. And I don't want it. Amen. But I do want power. I do want love. And I do want, and I will have a sound mind. A sound mind. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter 23. And we'll use this as another foundation builder. And then we'll jump off the diving board into the specific thing God wants me to deal with this morning. And uh, I kind of checked my heart to the Lord because I felt very impressed to minister again by the laying on hands today to anyone that wants to respond. So we'll do that. But I kind of... The intimation of my heart was, well, God, I, I've already laid hands on them to be free from the Spirit. I've already laid hands on them to be delivered from anxiety. He said, well, I want you to lay hands on them again for this. Amen. So you don't know what the this is yet, but you will. So hang on. <laughs> Proverbs 23, verse 7. The first part of this verse. 23 and verse 7 says, for as he. Now you might think in your Bible, you want to get this right. For as I. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. As I think in my heart. What does that mean? What does that equal? So am I. So according to this verse, am I what God wants me to be? Nope. 
Just because God authored a plan of redemption and Jesus paid for a plan of redemption and the Holy Spirit's come to lead us into a plan of redemption doesn't mean that I am who God wants me to be. What am I? What is I? I is what I think I am in my heart. One thing that my mom believed in was reading. My mama believed in reading. She was going to do her best to make a reader out of me. Now, I'm a good, I, I like to read to study the word and grow spiritually, but my wife likes to read for entertainment. I don't know, I don't know what's going on with her brain, but a lot of people do. They like to read for entertainment. I don't like to read for entertainment. I'd rather play Xbox, you know. I, I'd rather do something different, shoot the gun. I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, one of the books I, I fondly remember my mom reading to me over and over and over again was the book about the little engine that could. Y'all, y'all ever read that one? Did I get the title anywhere near right? Yeah. And so he's, he's a, he's not, this little engine was not endowed with great power. Like all the other big engines, you know, in the train lot, you know, he was kind of wimpy in stature. He was small in stature, but, uh, someday, you know, on this particular day, y'all know the story, you know, that the big engines took the big loads up the mountain and they never, he never got any big, important load because he's small. He got little horsepower and, but they all broke down or something. And, uh, you remember he hooked on and he got to take that whole load and all them up the mountain. And you know how he got there? Come on. What's the whole theme of the book? He thought he could. He thought he could. Now the spec said you can't. Right? And the engineer said you can't. And everyone else around you said you can't. But that little blue engine, puff, 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 slow, slow, slow at first. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I, and as he just stayed after it, bless God, I, they don't think I can, but I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Glory. I've still got the book at home. Amen. I need to move it to the pastoral part of the library because it made it into the sermon. Amen. I'm, but I'm telling you, it's so true. It's so true. This is not about psychoanalysis. This is not about mind over matter. We're talking about spiritual reality. The power of the human soul created there by God. Amen. I think I can. Therefore, I can. My favorite translation of this particular scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so does he become. So does he become. So listen, friend, the way you, not just what you think moment by moment, but the way you think, your processor, the way you think is determining your present. It's affecting your present, but it's doing more than that. It is prophesying your future. The way you think internally, in your core, amen, about yourself, down in here, where you may not tell everybody or anybody, but in here you think it. Amen. In here you think it. It is prophesying to you what you can do in the future, what kind of life you will have. This is why it's so vitally important. If you want a full future, a bright future, the future God has for you, amen, and you don't really like, if you really have ever had this thought, how did I get here? How did I get here? 
Well, the answer to that question is not just by summing up everything that's happened to you. But even more so, it's about how you responded to what happened to you. Have you ever thought about the word responsibility? Responsibility. It's a compound word. It's got two root words, right? Responsibility. In other words, you know, this whole, I, I couldn't help it lie. My, this is the way I was raised. Lie. Right. They made me do it. Lie. Right. We are able to choose our response. And therefore we are responsible. Well, she, well, they, well, my skin, well, my mama, well, my daddy, well, my brother, well, my sister. Well, I know some people have some very real and very sad tales along those lines and many others. Amen. But we're still now, now today, the way out, the way different, the way to have a great life is you're going to have to stop leaning on the excuses of what has happened to you in the past. Amen. And you're going to have to be transformed in the way that you think if you want to be whole, if you want to have a good future. Amen. So let's get back over into the New Testament to 1 Peter chapter 2. And this morning, with the Lord's help, I want to not just talk to you, not just minister the word to you, but also minister to you, anyone that would want that, need that, uh, about being delivered from, the root, uh, from a spirit of rejection. I want to help you overcome rejection, if you can. Amen. Again, I'm not a therapist. I'm a man of God. But God told me to, and God dealt with me at the youth retreat about ministering to the young people about rejection. And we had a great time and God really moved. But young people are not the only ones. Amen. That need to be delivered from the spirit of rejection that may have a demonic root of rejection. And when you, when something's happened to you, uh, either of choice or mistake or sin, a lot of times of no fault of your own. The, the devil sort of takes, a, the demon, a demon sort of takes a place in your soul and contaminates the way you process things and the way you think things and warps your personality. Right. Amen. Amen. Listen, deliverance is nothing to be scared of as a Christian. Bible-based deliverance. Deliverance is just another form of healing. I said deliverance is just another form of healing. Now this, this topic hits home for me because I didn't realize it till much later, but I, I dealt with a spirit of rejection that, that poisoned most of my relationships through my teenage years, my college years, my young adult years. Even after I was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered by God, listen, your soul still needs work. 
Amen. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. And uh, so anyway, let's look at this here. 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, let's read verse 4 and 5. It says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men. That's King James. What does yours say? Anything say anything different? Or are we just King Jimmy today? He rejected by people. Rejected by men. New King James says rejected by men. Is that right? So if you're, if you're King James says disallowed by men, it means to be rejected. And he's talking to Christians. To whom coming as of a living stone, rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Anyone in here a living member of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ? You're, you're, you're a child of God? Amen. What could you expect in this life? Two things. To be rejected by people, but I'm chosen of God. Amen. Who are you today? I'm chosen by God and I am precious. Now, listen, be honest. Rhetorical question. Don't, don't answer it. Don't have to raise your hand. Which, which one of those determines down in here more dominant? How do you think about yourself? How do you think about yourself? Do you think, is your default position day by day, I think of myself, I'm chosen of God and I'm precious. Or I'm rejected indeed by men. I'm not making fun. But as you think in your heart, that's going to determine your future. Amen. I am chosen by God. You know, we don't have to, you know, but over there in what, John 16, John 15, verse 16, it's Jesus said, you didn't choose me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. Peter didn't choose Jesus. Come on, can we just say it in good, not real, sanctified, you know, Kentucky language. Peter was kind of a screw up. Peter, Peter was a failure waiting to happen. Yeah, a little bipolar, a little schizophrenic. But listen, the incarnate son of God pointed to him and said, follow me. I choose you. Amen. Hallelujah. Over in first Corinthians, Paul under the unction of the spirit says not many wise are chosen. Not many of the world's elite. Not, not many gifted, not many wise. What's he saying? Not many whom the world would hold up. Does God choose? But God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Amen. Hallelujah. And if God never, if there was never a person chosen that really fulfilled that scripture, I fulfilled it when he chose me. That scripture was fully fulfilled when God chose me. But he did. Amen. Hallelujah. But notice it is just stated here in the scripture. The reality 
that we are rejected by men. We are rejected by people. If you are someone doing everything you can to avoid being rejected, you might as well stop. I said you might as well stop. It's a Bible fact. It's a Bible fact, Kate. I don't know. I know in your case, it's got to be absolutely unthinkable, impossible that someone could not like you. But it's just a fact. There will be those strange few that don't get you, that don't like you, that don't want to be around you, that don't want you associating with them. And we just go right down the line. Now, how many of you have been rejected by before? Yeah. And we were so immature, even in the ninth grade, in my ninth grade experience. uh, I gained a girlfriend by writing on a little piece of paper. Would you go with me? Circle yes for yes or no for no. No face to face stuff. You're a smooth operator, right? And I'm not the only one in my class. That's how we did it. That's how we did it. That's how we did it. You, you passed a note. Because if a no came back, that's better than a face-to-face no. That's better than an on-the-phone no. Of course, in my case, it was yes, double yes, circle yes. <laughs> Because I'm like many of you, I'm not asking no questions like that unless I already know the answer tenfold. You know? Hallelujah. That's like a good lawyer. A lawyer will never ask a question. He or she does not already know the answer. Amen. Well, rejection, as you have already found out, is a very painful but unfortunate, inevitable reality in life on this planet. And uh, we are living in a mode in the world of increasing persecution uh, to Christians in America. We are only in this nation, if, if trends continue, you being you and you believing what you believe, you will be more despised, more hated, more looked down upon. Yeah, not looking forward to it. But you should get ready for it. I said you should get ready for it. Now, you know, you bring up a computer. You brought up computer home from the store. And you were just amazed at how much faster and better that new computer processed. Amen. But and, and we know that usually the new computer is built with faster equipment. But let's say it wasn't. Let's say you got same RAM, same thing, just different. All the stuff under the hood of the, of the computer is the same. But how come this new one runs so much faster, so much cleaner, so much pure? How come? It doesn't have all that other. The, the, the old computer's got a virus. The old computer's got stuff on it. The old computer's got, it's fragmented. Right. And so the way the computer processes is hindered or in the worst case, it's totally dysfunctional. Amen. Well, there are certain things that can happen to you in life as a human being 
that will, will act like a computer virus in your brain. And it totally infects and affects the way you process things. So someone, you've been rejected and abused and cast aside and someone actually with a sincere heart who thinks you're pretty, has an interest in you, approaches you and you don't process that right. What you process is another dude out to get me again because all men are creeps. All men are pervs. Ain't not a good man out there nowhere. Well, you see, your, your processor has been infected with a virus called the spirit of rejection. And our, the way we think is altered and twisted. And what happens is, is a lot of people, they become their own worst enemy. They sabotage and poison all their relationships. Hello? You, no matter how many, God, how many good people God brings along into your life, the wound of rejection is so strong in you that you, even if you, you poison every good relationship that comes along, you got to be set free. You got to be delivered. Amen. Like I said, rejection is a terrible fact of life. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, just live a little while longer. And it comes in all, in all sorts of ways and in forms. And it can, it can come from the very mild to not being picked for kickball on the playground. You got little boys in their 40s still affected by not getting picked on the recess team. You just love it. You know how, how it's just real how some of our own youth broke down under the weight of the feelings they felt by not making the team. Yeah. Right? Not making fun. It's real stuff. Um, asking some girl to go with you. Be your girlfriend. They decided they didn't want, they didn't want to do that. And uh, so different things, you know, not being accepted into a desired group or circle. Um, a lot of Christians out there are not in church today because they felt rejected by someone in the church, rejected by a church leader, rejected by a pastor. You know, um, we live in this world today where we can be rejected on the world wide web. We can be rejected and everybody know about it. You know, it's, it's so, it's so, it's so funny because I guess I don't do a lot of Instagram, but I guess if you even just touch a certain image or something and my kids will go, don't, don't, don't touch anything. Don't touch any of the pictures because we're, we're two years deep in their thread and they're going to think we're trolling them. And my thought is, I thought they posted the pictures because they want us to look at them. Oh my God, and oh my God, should I friend request them or not? That's a big deal. That is, kids will have debates. 
<laughs> over the merits, right? Right. I mean, I, look at this. She knows she, she, I, yeah. should I, because what message will it send? What will they think? And then if I friend request it and I don't, they don't, in, they don't invite me. <laughs> One time, uh, I was just doing kind of a purge the roll thing on my personal Facebook feed. The way I personally think about it is if you leave the church, I don't have to see all your stuff on Facebook. I don't want to. Yeah. So I purged about 35 people off of my, uh, I know, well, there could have been a lot more. They, they might've purged me first. I just, I just purged. Uh, some, I wouldn't, there was no malice and no intent Nothing like that. I'm just doing some maintenance on my Facebook feed. Oh my God, I encountered people in town. I knew you were mad at me, Pastor. I knew you were offended at me. You took me off your friends list. I bet you even blocked me. I mean, you can unfriend. That's pretty extreme. You cannot follow. See, the, uh, Facebook's really smart with humor. Okay, so I cannot follow, so I don't have to see, but you won't know that I'm not following you. So you'll still have the feeling of being my friend, but you're really not. Or I could go, I could go the next level and say, you're unfriended. And then I could pull the nuclear option on you. I could block you. We're laughing, but people walk around wounded. Right? Humans are, I mean, sensitive. Sensitive. You know, I, I invited some people uh, over to my house, some married couples that I had on my heart. Well, I got pushback from other married couples. Why did you invite me to your house? I wanted to come to your house. I'm married. Well, I didn't want to that day for this thing that I had some very specific things that I was wanting to accomplish and speak into those people. Why does that have to say something about you? I knew it. He just, he just thinks I have a faulty marriage. Oh, no, he's a, he just ain't. I just, how long do I have to, before I get to be on the inward circle? Look, guys, I don't think like that. I don't think like that. You know, Dr. Jacobs was telling me even, I hope this is okay to even say, if not, I'll repent to Dr. Jacobs. But he said, I have spiritual sons. And they whine and they moan. How come he didn't invite me to go to Mexico? How come he didn't invite me to fly on the plane? How come he didn't invite me to go on this trip? I mean, yeah, ministers, big babies. Yeah, come on, come on. Big babies. What makes you think he owes you a seat on his chartered plane? But we get in our head, and, and where does all this is coming from? This is coming from this very real and sensitive area in our soul that wants acceptance and validation from everyone we meet, whether we like them or not. Amen. And I'm not, I, I'm having some fun with that. And, and uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in there now that people may be more offended at me now. I just, because I, I, I didn't name any names. And if that's you own it, just step up. I got, I was overly sensitive. Sorry. You know, whatever. It's no big deal. I'm not mad about it. I've already, blocked. You, I've already been blocked. <laughs> 
I've already been blocked. Well, I'm going to lay hands on myself to get delivered. Listen, as, don't go into the ministry if you have a problem being rejected. You don't, don't, don't go. Don't pastor. Don't pastor a church. Everyone that comes has been with me for any little bit of length of time that leaves the church, I'm tempted to take that as a personal rejection. When the vast majority of the time, it's not. They just want to go someplace else. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? But why? Why would anyone, Dakota, want to go anywhere else? What does that say about me? Well, praise God. But, you know, then there are very, you know, more serious forms and ways that we get hurt uh, and we can take on an attitude or a spirit of rejection about us. Divorce. Divorce is a, uh, it is a extreme rejection, isn't it? Uh, even the, the death of a loved one. Have you know, there, there is an anger phase in natural grief where the living are actually angry at the dead. Most people didn't want to die. <laughs> Yet we're angry at them. You left me. You know? Not making fun. I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. We, we, deal, with, we deal with these emotions. Um, not getting hired. Or worse, getting fired. Being um, not chosen for a leadership position in the church. I had, I had a couple lead, uh, leave me over that, you know, in the past. They were actually on the list, but they quit believing that I'd already rejected them when I hadn't just got around to promoting them. Did I tell them on the way out? No, I didn't tell them. Because they believe bad about me. Why would I promote you? Why would I tell you? Uh, one of the biggest and the most frequent and most common forms of really deep-seated rejection is within family. It's within family. Um, I, I know for a lot of years, my, my younger brother, and he's, he's got merit to feeling that way for that season, uh, rejected by me. Uh, he's three years younger. Um, that may not sound like a lot, but you know, I had a lot of boys in the neighborhood that were my age and there were fewer kids his age. And if you know, if you're got a younger brother, you, you want to be around, you want to play, you want to be around, you want to be included. And I was harsh. I was harsh. I, I was, I don't go home, get out of here. You too small. You cry all the time. We're trying to play tackle the man with the football. And every time we let you play, you cry. <laughs> or when we did let him in, we used him as a prop. We, you know, I, I tied up my little brother in a field to a tree one afternoon with my friends and left him there all afternoon. So I did, I did a lot of harm. I have repented for a lot. My brother and I, we've got a sweet relationship now, but there's a lot of distance between Ben and I now. Uh, and it's just, it's primarily busyness. I don't think he has any animus towards me, but uh, it, it, 20 years worth of damage done me trying to repair what I did. 
And uh, it affected Ben the way he thought about a lot of things. Had very, a lot of talent to play basketball, but because I was good at basketball, he wouldn't touch a basketball. He would not touch it. If I was involved with something, he would not. So he went football and was very good at it. Could have been very, you know, good at basketball too, but he, did, he didn't want to be anywhere near my shadow. Well, as a kid in my home, uh, where things went awry for me was when my mom and dad got divorced. When my mom and dad got divorced, a spirit of rejection took a place in my soul. And it contaminated my entire thought life for 15 years of my life. It tainted all my relationships. I lived in fear. I lived in fear. Because when, when you're, I was 11, I was 12, somewhere around that time frame. And you think you have it all. You have security. You have a sweet home. You have it all. And then in one conversation, your entire world is broken apart. And your daddy is ripped away from you. And instead of seeing him every day, every day, I get to see him four days a month. You know, so when the father-son music comes on, father-son images in movies, still today, I, I just emotional break, I just a wreck. Because of that hole. Y'all here today? Yes. Now, understand, I am not blaming my mom and my dad. I'm not blaming them. But I'm just telling you what happened to me. And so now I, I am, I am, Insecure. This is one of the big fruits of rejection is you're insecure. And a lot of people marry as an insecure person. And I, I end up with them in my office. And that's fine because an insecure person is a bottomless pit. I, I've had insecure husbands and insecure wives and moms. And their big complaint is they don't love me. They don't love me. And the other spouse will say, I tell them, Pastor, a thousand times a day how pretty they are, how much I'm thankful for them, how beautiful. I can't do enough, say enough, buy enough flowers for her to believe me. And when that's the true deal, when that's really what's happening, it's because, in this case, she is so deeply wounded and so deeply insecure, she is a bottomless pit. And it's exhausting for the secure to try to fill a bottomless pit. You just cannot. You have to let God heal you. Yeah, I said you have to let God heal you. How do I do that? Well, you get some help by getting that root of that spirit of rejection delivered from you. That's my aim this morning. Amen. But then you've got to do what I've been talking about. You've got to evaluate the way you think. You've got to evaluate what you're thinking about, why you're doing certain things, why you act certain ways. And you need to feed the knowledge of who you are in Christ into the, and, and pour a foundation into the bottomless pit so it can really begin to be filled up. Make a bottom. I mean, what more do you want? The the son of God died on a cross for you. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, we are chosen by God, chosen by God. So who cares if I, who cares? My high school sweetheart said she didn't want me anymore. Who cares? Right? I cared a lot back then. 
Amen. Had I known then what I know now. And one of the reasons why I let that, that normal thing, you know, a, a, a little dating thing. We were only get dated 10 months of my whole life, you know, oh my gosh, you know. But it wasn't just that. It was ripping open a really unhealed wound that went back to my mom and dad's divorce. It's just a repeat, repeat, repeat. And so, you know, again, I'm just talking about me. Maybe you, maybe you can relate a little bit. You know, that, that girl that I wrote the note in the ninth grade, she was, I mean, a cutie and I mean, a good looking gal and a good kisser. And she was, and maybe my wife's watching, I don't know, whatever, but it's just the way it was. And seriously, and popular and all, Right. And we dated, for, you know, a little boyfriend, girlfriend deal for two weeks, two weeks. I broke it off. You know, what I broke, I was so shallow, so fickle and so afraid. Right. She, she came to class one day with a cold sore. And I dumped her over that. <laughs> That's. I am so sorry if you ever watch this video, I, how shallow I was. But I mean, I've got to have perfection. Perfection. Because what I need perfection to stand by me, to make me feel a little better than how I really felt down on the inside. Now, the next guy she made, she dated all through and ended up marrying the guy. She's not with him today. He was the bully who bullied me all through high school. I felt so bad. I set her on that course. I really, I forgive me, father. I, you know, I was not a good guy back then, but I was hurt. And I mean, I, I, I dated a lot of girls. I did a lot of that because I've, I defined my worth. Define my worth by having somebody with me. But if I thought they were going to do something to me, I mean, if I thought anything, I mean, they're, I'm, I'm, no, you're not breaking up with me. Right. I, I have a fear of that. Right. That would devastate me. So you look at me the wrong way, boom, you're done. See, it's a coping mechanism. It's a defense mechanism to try to prevent myself from ever feeling the way my mom and dad made me feel. Now, some people go all their life and they never, they never get that rectified. They never get that dealt with. And so no one around them can say no to them. And what we would normally count as normal, healthy human interaction, people come into our life and they leave our life is, is, how do you say it? is a wrecking ball to the soul of the person who's got a spirit of rejection. If you don't deal with the spirit of rejection from the breakup of your first marriage, you will bring terrible baggage into your new marriage. You will not treat that spouse fairly because you started. You started you're, the whole foundation of your relationship is I don't want to be alone. So I married you, but I'm going to keep you over here. Right. Children that have been abused by their parents, neglected by their parents, 
feel rejected. One of, one of the biggest word memories I have, whether it's, I want to say this, and let me say, my, my dad and I, we are close today man, and have been for a very long time. And he wasn't even born again, you know, so there's no, but I'm just telling you about reality. My most prominent living memory of the time I did have living in my daddy's home was this phrase, this phrase right here. Not right now. I don't have time. Not right now. I don't have time. Daddy, would you help me with my bike? Not right now. I don't have time. Daddy, you want to play catch? Not right now. I don't have time. Maybe later. Not right now. It's And it's understandable. Your dad can't, you know, got, you got chores to do. You got stuff to do. I understand. But listen, parents, come on. You had them. You had them. You have to raise them. I said, you had them. You got to raise them. Not right now. I don't have time. And then in later life, my dad laments, son, why don't you ever call me? Why don't you ever come around? Listen, parents, you can't sew. You can't let your kids' cell phone and iPad raise them. You give them an iPad and a phone and they're distracted and they're leaving you alone. You think that's great. And they don't know you anymore. And then they get away from you. And you wonder why they don't ever call or send you a card on Mother's Day. I'm trying. I'm just, this is real stuff. Real stuff. And, and listen, think about America out there. Over half the marriages end in failure. So many never get married and these, these, these kids have no dads. They've got no dads. Dad doesn't care enough to even to write a check to help support their life, to help put food on the table. And, and uh, so many young ladies have been sexually abused. It's like astronomical, the, the number of young ladies that have been molested or sexually abused. By the time they turn 18, it would be shocking for you to hear the percentage. I mean, it's just, it's rare for a girl to get to 18 years old without being sexually abused. And then just cast aside. And it's, a, it's another form of intense rejection. And you can get into the kingdom and your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and speak in tongues and uh, have gifts of the Spirit and, uh, and still be messed up. Messed up in your life. And, but God has more for us. Let's, are you okay? Amen. All right, I'm almost done here. Uh, praise God. Um, go to Isaiah 53 with me. Isaiah 53. You're going to have to come to terms. Not everybody's going to like me. And that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. I am not for everybody. And that's okay. Because there is a somebody who sits on the throne of the universe who thinks I'm all that. <laughs> right. And I know him. I know him. I'm getting to know him more every day. Amen. Amen.
And uh, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, talking about the coming Messiah, will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And we shall, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we would desire him. In other words, when the Messiah shows up, there's not going to be nothing, no pomp, no circumstance, no outward show that's going to make you just know automatically there's the Messiah. He was born in a manger, right? Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Verse three, notice, notice about Jesus, the Messiah. He is what? He is popular. He is a Facebook influencer. <laughs> Look at him. King of the world. He is despised and rejected by men. This is our Lord. Is he our, is he, he's the Lord. He's the master. We're the pupil. And the disciple is not above his master. If they did it to Jesus, they will do it to us. They will do it to us. Jesus was despised and rejected by men. So if you're aiming life like mine was sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, I would have sold my soul to the devil himself to get popular with a certain group of kids. And from what I can tell today, that group of kids is nothing and nobody today. Now there's something in God's eyes, but I'm talking about, ooh, you thought, ooh. You're going to have to just buck up and get okay being rejected by men. Amen. Amen. Go with me to John chapter 6. I'm about ready to minister. I want my ushers to be ready. John chapter 6. Give you some more good news here. <clears throat> Say, Pastor, well, I know it feels kind of heavy in here, but... That just tells me, you know what I'm talking about. You got your own story, don't you? Yeah. So John 6, 37, Jesus said, all that the father giveth me. He really is referring to people. All that the father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise Cast out. Now that's, that's King James language, right? Anybody got something that reads a little better? Ooh. So David's translation says, the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. Wow. Got the Amplified. All whom my father gives in trust to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them that comes to me. Nobody can do you like Jesus will do you. Nobody will do you like Jesus. Will do. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
And when he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, bless God, he means it. He means it. Amen. People will let you down. And the deepest cuts will come from those closest to you. That what's, that's what gives them the capacity. Had anyone else back in 2002 prophesied to me that I missed it in coming here and was out of the will of God, I'd have laughed him in the street because of what I knew in here. But when my mentor said it, when my, when my man of God, I thought, said it, in an attempt, a clear attempt, it came later, to manipulate me. He wanted what I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to prophesy me out and prophesy himself in. Was, was cutting. It was cutting. Amen? That was a long time ago. That's 20 years ago. I could still be hot about that. you have to forgive. I had to forgive my mom and dad. And I did. And I had to ask my brother to forgive me. And I did. Because we've been both the wound and the wounder. And so no, nobody's innocent. But we don't have to live with the ongoing ill effects of rejection in our life. We can be delivered. We can be set free. I don't have time to tell you that whole story again, but coming into the third phase of my pastoral ministry, God dealt with me. He said, you cannot take this thing with you into this third phase of your ministry. And I knew I had a thing inside that wasn't right. But I didn't know how to deal with it and I didn't know how to articulate it. I was spending all my energy just to keep myself right. God said, I want you to go see Dr. Jacobs and I want you to tell him what you're dealing with. He'll help you. So I did. I drove over there and I said to him, now doc, I said, uh, I'm here because God told me, but I want you to know I'm in the will of God. I have prayer life. I'm in the word. I'm in my niche in the body of Christ. I'm not addicted to porn. I don't have a girl on the side. I'm not robbing from my church. I just want you to know. But I said inside me, I'm, I'm tormented. I'm, I'm wrought up. I'm twisted up in knots. And God said, I can't take this into the next phase of my ministry. He told me, come talk to you. He said, can I ask you a question or two? I said, you just shoot. He said, parents ever been divorced? Now, where's that coming from? It's coming from the Holy Ghost dealing with the root of an issue. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, you ever been party to an abortion? I said, yes, sir. I have. And I said, now stop. No, wait a minute now. I said, uh, I did those, those, that's, you nailed it, I, I did, but I, in, I've repented. I, I've, I, 
I've, I've been cleansed. That's been wiped away, washed away, right? <laughs> he said, yes, of course. Spiritually. Spiritually. But he said, sometimes through acts of sin or acts of trauma, of no fault of your own, the devil comes in and takes a place in your soul. And you have to take that place back. And if you need scripture for that, it's in Isaiah 26, verse 12 through 14. You want to leave or you want to look at it? I mean, you, I mean all ministers. But he, he, he talks about the Lord being our Lord, capital L. And then it says, but other lords, little lords, have held dominion over you. And because ministry had taken place, it says they are dead. Those little lords, they shall not live. For God has visited them and has made all their memory to perish. So Jesus can be your Lord, capital L, sure enough. But still little lords can be exercising measures of dominion over your personality, the way you think, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And you have to get that place back. Amen. It's called delivered. It's called deliverance. What did he do? Did I throw up Alka-Seltzer in the floor? Did a demon talk out of me? No. He said, he just laid his hand on my head, sitting there with me on the couch. And he said, now, come out. In the name of Jesus. He took his hand off of me. Now I drove the three and a half hours back. And I went to bed that night. And I slept like I have never slept. Like I hadn't slept in 14 years of my life. And from that day forward, I was as peaceful and joyful and calm and right in here as I made myself be out here. You've got to let the acts of the anointing sometimes get to the root of something. So let's all stand up on our feet today. I'm not going to ask you what your deal is or whatever, but whether it's mild or whether it's severe, if you feel it all led in your heart to come up, to have hands laid on you, then I invite you to make your way to the front. Praise God.